Folks, a quick message from our sponsors, Know Before. So what's a con game? It's a fraud that works by getting the victim to misplace their confidence in the con artist. In the world of cybersecurity, we call confidence tricks social engineering. And as our sponsors, Know Before, will tell you, human error is how most organizations are compromised. What are some of the ways organizations are victimized by social engineering? We'll find out here in just a minute. Now, our sponsors' questions about forms of social engineering come in this form. Know Before will tell you that there's human contact, there can be con games. It's important to build the kind of security culture in which your employees are enabled to make smart security decisions. To do that, they need a new school security awareness training. See how security culture stacks up against Know Before's free phishing test. Get it now at knowbefore.com forward slash phishing test. That's knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Now, no before wants to thank you for listening to the show and I want to thank them for sponsoring it. They are the provider of the world's largest security awareness and simulated fishing platform. Be sure to take advantage of their free fishing test, which you can find at knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Think no before for your security training. We're tuning in to the Cyber Hub and CISO Talk Podcast, Veteran November Series that honors the brave men and women who serve this nation by sharing their stories of service. Each year for the entire month of November, we publish a daily podcast about these veterans. Buckle up and get ready for Veteran November. And now your host, James Azar. Well, everyone, welcome to another episode of Veteran November, a series dedicated to the brave men and women who who wore the uniform, don't the uniform of this great country, and took on the mission of service, uh, defending this awesome nation. I've got a great guest joining me today. What's an awesome story, by the way, because it's something I wanted to do and didn't get a chance to do that. But before I do that, please make sure to subscribe. Please make sure to comment below to these veterans with a simple thank you is all it takes to really let them know you appreciate them. Uh, you can also see. Uh, a list of causes we are supporting this veteran November, including with the Warrior Project um, and and several others, uh, where you can go and donate if you're so looking uh, to do so. If you're looking to do so, sorry for uh, the month of November, and by supporting these organizations, you really are thanking veterans for their service. Mr. Josh Mason is joining me on today's episode. He's the founder of the uh, Cyber Supply Drop. He's also a Red Team instructor. And uh, Josh, welcome, man. How's it going? Hey, it's good. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Um, really uh, psyched to have you on. I um, it's, it's our first time really talking, although you and I have been in, I can't tell you how many of the same Zoom calls, how many of the same, like, we, we pretty much roam around the same circle of people. But, you know, that's the beauty of what we do is eventually we end up in one of these conversations. Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about your military service. What branch of the military did you serve in, and, and what did you do? In, yeah, in James, the- um, I was in the United States Air Force, same as you, really. And um, I started off as a pilot. I flew C-130s for about six years and then switched over to cyber warfare. My wife was also a C-130 pilot. Um, when she got out uh, for some medical reasons, took the opportunity to slow down a little bit and switch career fields, moved into cyber um, and was a cyber warfare officer for the last bit of my uh, time in. And and how long did you serve for, Josh? 
It was 11 years since graduation from the academy until I got out. And you went to Air Force Academy in beautiful, lovely Colorado Springs, right? Oh, Which yeah. is uh, one of the most beautiful places in the country, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, it is. You know, Garden of the Gods is just really just a beautiful place there, man. Um, you know, Josh, I kind of want to ask you, a, 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 I really want to go down the, the, the question of, unlike a lot of countries, right, like Israel, South Korea, Singapore, where services is, is mandatory. Mm -hmm. in, in this country, it's volunteer work. So what made you want to enlist in the service? Yeah. So um, I was a sophomore in high school when 9-11 happened. Um, up until then, my life goals were, I think, music. And I wanted to go and uh, go to some college and study music and become like a, a band director one day um i was very much into marching band and all that stuff and then 9 11 happened uh i grew up just a little bit uh and someone told me i, I could be a pilot and fly planes and i was like well wait what do i gotta do and they're like go to the air force academy don't suck and you can probably get your way into a cockpit and i was like really talk to a few others and they're like yeah just work hard and uh the numbers are in your favor if you go there out i was like okay sweet so i went to the air force academy uh had to take a second chance to get in i didn't make it on my first turn went in um met my wife there and we both became pilots it wasn't easy it was a lot of work uh, a lot of people didn't make it to a cockpit but um it's i wanted to go and get into the fight and I want to do something cool. And as a high schooler, flying planes just seemed super, super awesome. And it it was for quite a while. <laughs> it, it, it still feels like that for a lot of people, right? The uh, fascination with aviation is always uh, um, something where, where it's it's almost like if when you catch me if you can, right? When Leo's uh, character, when Frank Abagnale Jr. decides to uh, become a pilot, mm -hmm. um, or uh, portray the identity of a pilot. Um, that, that's always one of the more kind of, it just shows you the stigma around that, which is, which is unbelievable. Right. You, look at, you look at the military and you learn a lot of skills in the service, right? I mean, some of them are skills where you know you're going to get them and others are skills where you go, wow, I never realized it until. If you could pinpoint to one skill that the military taught you that's been instrumental in your life, what would that be? Um. Man, I didn't want to pinpoint it down to one. Uh, you can pick a few. There, I, I like two. Um, right. I'll go with the easy one. Try not to be the smartest person in the room. There was a lot getting to being a pilot where you have to study hard and work hard and know a lot of things and then show off to your instructors. And sometimes um, my personality, just immaturity working that hard and constantly feeling like, oh, hey, I passed this thing. I did really well. I got a good score on this test. Um, and then finally making it to cockpit, I felt really uh, proud of myself. And um, you put a lot of personalities that went through the same thing in the same room, and you run into a little bit of, like, headbutting. And it's um, – you don't get much done if everyone thinks that they're the smartest person in the room. When I got to C-130s, it was like, okay, cool. You have done well. 
good job, kid. Good job, Lieutenant. Uh, but you're a co-pilot, so sit down and learn again. And you're like, wait, but, but I have wings. Like, I'm supposed to be like the thing. They're like, no, 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 no. Maybe in like 20 years after you've been like a colonel and a, um, then you can just walk around and pretend like you know everything. But right now you're a co-pilot, you're a lieutenant, like you're going to learn again for the rest of your career. And you go, oh, okay. And it's, that's life. Like you can know a whole lot and be able to do a whole bunch of stuff. But when you show up anywhere, like there's a good chance you're going to be surrounded by people who know more than you or know different things than you or better at other things than you. And being, having humility and accepting that like, anyone else can outshine you at anything and it's not a bad thing like if you think you're great at something and someone else is better that's not a threat that's an opportunity that's something that like as a team you can be wholly better like if you're feeling like oh man i'm i'm really great at this stuff and you show up and someone else is better then just imagine where you can go from there um and I wouldn't have seen that if it hadn't been for a couple people being like, hey, Lieutenant, like, you're smart. You know some stuff, but like, you need to chill here. Um, when I became a captain, they were like, slow down a little bit. You know this picture, and you're pretty great at like this picture, but there's a whole bunch more that you need to think about. And that was the other piece, is thinking about the bigger picture, thinking about the overall strategy. Um, there'd be stuff in like C-130 world or like at our, at our unit or like our deployment. And it's such a tiny piece of this overall effort that is not just the military, but like overall diplomacy. And what are we doing as America, as like NATO, as all these things across the world? It's like, oh, okay, I need to understand my piece, but I understand need to understand how my piece fits in with everything else. And having that ability to like zoom out and then zoom back in in order to like really understand where we're going. I think of it like a map. You're like, okay, the trail's going this way. That's north. I know I need to go north. And then like you zoom, like then you take a picture of the big map and you're like, I need to go north for a little bit, but really I need to go east. And then we're going to go south because we're going around a mountain. And if you don't like know that the mountain's there, then you get really confused. Why are we going north when we know we need to like, go like south? So, um, yeah, perspective and accepting uh, that other people can be better at things, and it's not a bad thing. I love those. Those are really awesome um, skills, right? A lot of times people feel the need to wanting to add something when there's no need for it, right? Sometimes silence is the uh, smartest thing one can do. Yep. So just be quiet. Um Talk a little bit about what America means to you. What does America symbolize for you? Yeah. So I feel privileged to be a white dude who grew up, like was born into America, thinking about like my opportunities, like one in 7 billion that I ended up here. Well, maybe like several hundred million to 7 billion. But like, how did we end up here? Um, it's crazy. Growing up, people told me I could be anything I wanted to be. And they weren't wrong. Like... If you, the idea of America is that you can grow up to do whatever you want to do. You can change careers. You can start or stop whatever you want. And that is the idea of America, that you have the liberty to say what you want and do what you want uh, as long as you're you know, not hurting others. 
and I think it's amazing. Um, there are so many other places in the world and even sections of our society where that's not possible, but the idea that it is and that that standard that we're trying to reach or get to, um, I think is just awesome. I think America is the number one country in the world where you hear stories of immigrants who came to this country with $5 or $10 to their name, who today are multimillionaires and employ hundreds or if not thousands of people uh, because of the opportunities this country gave them. Exactly. Um, but the opportunities don't come easy. They're not handouts. You work hard. And you said that multiple times in, in the last 10 minutes we've been chatting, Josh. I had to work hard. I had to put my head down. I had to shut up. I had to recognize what I could or couldn't do. Um, realize what I'm, what I know and what I don't know. Listen, be an actual listener. I, I don't mean like hearing, actively listening to what others have to say so that you become a more rounded person. And that's what this country is all about. Mm -hmm. It's hard work, right? Hard work leads to opportunity. Now, does that work every time? No, but the odds of it are higher than anywhere else. Oh yeah. I'll take my odds here than anywhere else in the world. That's, that's true right there. When you talk about one, um, let me ask you this. What was one key takeaway you had from your transition at the end of your service going from a, uh, 11 year air force captain to a civilian where your rank pretty much means nothing to 99% of the population. Yeah. Um, I imagined I would have to start completely over that. I would be the new guy who knew nothing. Um, there was this duplicitous, Hey, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. I had an MBA at that point and 10 years in the military. That's like, that's half of a military career. Right. Um, so you get this idea of like where you are in, on the totem pole and you get out and like 10 years after college, everyone else <laughs> not in the military is like, so you're a kid. It's like, okay, I accept that. Um, but where do you start? Like, what is, what is the starting point? Um, we work in cyber and like so many people, they come out and they're like, okay, I want to get like a SOC analyst one job. I'm like, like you've been like a leader, you've been like an NCO or like a CTO. Like, I feel like you could lead things. Like, do you want to go into like the, the just sit there and have other people tell you what to do role again? Like you did that. Um, for me, I, I, that's kind of what I expected. I expected to go in some place and just have people tell me what to do and then like do it as if like I was a lieutenant again, but in the big scheme of things. And the world doesn't work that way. Like the structure that we had, people telling you what to do and growing up through the ranks in a structured manner doesn't happen out here. There's some structure to it, but it's kind of up to you to decide like where where you want to go and how you want to do it. And entering into roles doesn't have to happen at basic training because anyone who joins the military, you know, you go into basic training and you start as an E1, E2, E3, E2. E1. Yeah, yeah. So, but out here, it, it doesn't work that way. Like your boss doesn't have to be like a Colonel. Your boss doesn't have to be a senior. NCO. like, they don't have to be older than you. They don't have to have done what you've done. It's, um, it just, it seems a little crazy, but it's, the realities of what does a civilian job and the civilian like a civilian career actually look like? I, I had no idea until 
I started doing it. Yeah, it's um, transitioning is always very, very interesting when when you kind of leave the military ranks and the the order that comes with it to uh, to civilian because you realize that sometimes in the civilian world order does not exist. Right. Um, we're almost out of time. So one last question for you is what's the one thing you loved about your military service? I want to say family. It's um, community. It's the people who are in, the people who are around you. Uh, everyone's been through the same struggles. We all went through the same basic training. We all understand um, the same mentality. We all have friends who aren't with us anymore. Um, no matter how long you were in, like you probably know someone who's um, made that ultimate sacrifice. And we share that in that it's not a great thing to have shared that, but it's also it's great to have a community that understands. And even on the outside, um, there are those who want to help, who want to keep um, connecting and uh, aiding one another in, I don't know, kind of bringing that helpfulness outside of the military as well. Yeah, that, that camaraderie, that accountability for one another, for watching for each other, that's, that's something I think we all truly miss. Um, brilliant. Josh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. And thank you for your service. And um, I can't wait to kind of like ping you offline and hear about some of your uh, C-130 flying uh, stuff because as an aviation fanatic, right, like I've got a British 787-800 behind me, but Mm -hmm. um, I've got uh, a ton of model airplanes here. It's one of my like things I wanted to do when I I enlisted, but they wouldn't let me go Air Force. They made me go Army and well, then the rest is pretty much history. So yeah. uh, with, with that being said, Josh, thank you so much, folks. Um, daily, daily for the entire month of November, 2 p.m. Eastern, a new episode of Veteran November drops. Please make sure to check it out. A simple thank you in the comments is all it takes uh, to let these uh, brave men and women know that you appreciate their service. Um, they're really not looking for anything outside of a thank you. Even that, they don't look for. Um, but I'm just encouraging you to do that. So, uh, Josh, thank you so much for being here, buddy. I really appreciate it. Thanks, James. All right, folks, have a great rest of your day, and God bless the United States of America. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.